I hope you enjoy this week's uh, TRM podcast where my guest was Simon Severino. He's a, uh, a, a strategist. He's come up with a method, methodology called Strategy Sprints, all about how you can unlock the ability to scale by being more effective both as a business um, and, and as a business leader. Welcome on to this week's TRM podcast to uh, Simon Severino, calling in from Austria, Simon. Thank you for joining us. So cool to be here. Hello, everybody. So you are a, I'm going to call you a sales guru. Um, you're also an, uh, an author. You've got a new book coming out in February, all around the 90-day sprint. So looking forward to hearing about that. Um, can you just give us, give us, give us a little bit of sense of your journey, what, what's brought you here, how you, how you got to this place where you're advising all sorts of people to uh, double their revenue. Yeah, thank you. So it's 18 years that I'm doing only one thing, and that is helping executives with go-to-market of their company. The only thing that has been an evolution has been how can I make it less? How can I make it more simple, both in terms of what we offer, but also in terms of how can I make it in a way that does not give an additional task to my coaches? They have enough to do. They have so many moving parts. And in this funky year, even more, because there is a lot of uncertainty and you always have to check what's going on. So how can I coach them to better, um, to improve their sales and marketing and operations without adding tasks? What if I can subtract tasks? from their table because that's what they need. Mm. And so this has been this has been the explorations uh, over the last decade. And uh, we have found some answers and they are our, our main program that, that, that you quoted where we double the revenue of, of companies in 1980s. And out of interest, where did you get into this thing where you, was it a, a single light bulb moment where you suddenly thought, you know, people are overcomplicating it. Um, I'm gonna go on a, my mission in life is gonna be simplified simplify to improve the sales uh, and revenue growth it was really my clients told me that they said simon i have so much to do i hate your assignments i don't want to do that you ask me to write down the vision on three pages you know what i don't have time for this simon and i was like okay how do i package it in a way that they do it and, and so that was the, the balance and then we asked for the NPS. Hey, was, what was great about sprinting with us? And they go like, well, everything was great, but you made more work. <laughs> and I go like, I don't want to add work onto their schedule. How can we subtract? Okay. So, so principle number one is that is, is business leaders and sales leaders are uh, too busy. And therefore we need to strip out the, the non-essentials and that'll have a positive impact. Yes. And even if salespeople are very efficient because they know that time is limited, they know what, what the 80-20 rule is, but even, even these people have too much on their plate. And there is so much in sales, and we, we could go even very deep, there is so much in sales which doesn't even count as sales, but you have to do it, like documenting in the CRM or whatever. So there is so much that they are doing 
that uh, that we help strip off because in the first month of the sprint we want to really free up 10 to 14 hours of their time if we don't do that in the first month we will not have the time needed to work on form fit and function of the sales system on form fit and function of the marketing system on how these both really learn from each other and become better through each other and how that also is mirrored in operations because operations is where you do the resell, right? The first sale is done by the sales team, but the second one is done by the operations team. Okay, so so twelve that kind of 12 to 14 hours of the week, if we can free up that, then we can focus that. So 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 how does it what, what what's the principle behind the 90-day sprint? So so you know we 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 talk a lot about 90-day sprints and 90-day focuses, but you you talk about you you know your book is all about strategy sprints. What what are some underlying principles that we we get to see once we once we buy this book? And by the way, you have got the is that the biggest the biggest book stack I have ever seen behind you? <laughs> yeah, it's an Italian designer. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> he's helping me <laughs> put order into chaos. I just got look at that. I can't even see the top of it, but it's uh, no, I love it. Um, yeah. So what are the what are the um, what are the fundamental principles behind the strategy sprints then? So it's 90 days, three strategies, and 274 tactics. But tactics are secondary because you don't need all the tactics in the world. You just need a couple tactics depending on your main strategies. And so that's why we have three strategies. And the three strategies are pretty simple. In order to increase your revenue by 99%, you need to increase three things by 25% each. And that is doable in 90 days. So you can increase by 25% the frequency of your conversions from current relationships by intensifying the relationship. You can increase by 25% the price, which usually is not maxed out. So you can find with a better positioning, you can find a way to increase price by 25%. And there are exactly eight tactics to use and we have the blueprint for that. And then the conversion rate, if you can raise conversion rate of your existing conversations, let's say the sales calls booked for next week, let's say you have eight sales calls there. If we can just close 25% more of these already scheduled calls and you put these three things together, you have increased revenue by 99%. Okay, so really, really, really keeping it nice and simple. And is that part of the part of the part of the challenge in your experience? The, the the sheer busyness of the brain. Um, yes, we have so many options, right? So we could do this and that and that and that. And uh, every week we have new stuff coming up and we could start, hey, what about I try this and I try that? And so really our, our work with our coaches is help them sing their song until they don't forget it anymore and simplifying, stripping off all the rest. We are mimetic creatures as human beings. Our civilization progresses by imitation. So I, I imitate great podcasters like you and I become a podcaster. I, I, I imitate great entrepreneurs like Elon Musk and I become an entrepreneur. But by doing that, you know, it's okay if my kids do it and they they imitate me cooking and that's how they learn cooking that's fine but as an entrepreneur if you just imitate what others do you are too late 
you need to frontier stuff and you need to move forward your context wherever you are. And it's usually a distraction if you study too much what others are doing. Okay. So, so, that's, so that's interesting. So we've, we've got a community of recruitment business leaders and uh, we've got some phenomenal business, some great business leaders. And we do a lot of... Um, we do a lot of looking at each other, benchmarking, understanding best practice, looking at what's looking at what's working over there to see whether it can work over there, pulling together insights. So, are you saying that is um, we need to rethink our model? Please, please I would say it is, say no it is amazing. <laughs> yeah, let, yeah. Let me differentiate because I would say it's amazing to have a group of people where you can share what's working for you, what's not working for you. And they help you move forward, be more courageous, be more honest with yourself and move forward in your context so you can improve it. Mm. That is amazing. And that is why uh, we also run masterminds because that's the best learning atmosphere. And the Buddhists say you need three things to learn, Buddha, Sangha, Dharma. And the Sangha is that community exactly that you described. Okay. Now, now benchmarks, but benchmarks, be careful. Okay, let's talk benchmarks. I like benchmarks. Yeah, be careful with benchmarks. So uh, I am part of the problem. I am part of these consultancies that brought benchmarks into into being and uh, were telling everybody that they need to do that in the 90s. And now we have to unlearn that because benchmarks really means that of all the paths that are already being explored, these are some learnings from the past. And the past can be last week, but it's still the past for an entrepreneur because the job of the entrepreneur is to, to trailblaze, to go into that wood, which is still dark. And it's about their context and their explorations and what they can bring into this world and if you start thinking too much about this is what my industry does, mm. it's usually a distraction, especially because industry in itself is not a category that is super helpful anymore. If you think of in which industry is Tesla, well, there are seven industries that they are in. In which industry is Siemens? Every industry. Mm. So it's not even a helpful category anymore. So I would discriminate it. I would go... Whatever helps you find what works for you, that's amazing, keep it. But if you are studying others and studying the past, be careful. Okay, would you, um, so, so I always quite often talk about either perfecting or disrupting. So particularly in, when, when you've got a service business like our members have, so you can, you can perfect, you can strive to be better than everybody else as a way to stand out, or you can disrupt as in, I'm gonna go and shake it up. You say, it sounds like you're talking more around the disruption as an entrepreneur who goes and um, makes a wave in an industry or, or, or gets their client base or customer base thinking a bit differently. Is that is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I think two strategies here. One is really asking all clients all the time, what's what's working in our service, in our product? What do you miss? What else do you need? And improving that in terms of perfecting that. But also, once a month, and we can talk about the three CEO habits. So the monthly habit is once a month doing a strategic analysis, looking at the big picture and saying, okay, what's changing in the life of my clients? 
And what do I need to prepare now so that in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months, I can help them do that? And sometimes this is the disruptive element. What do I need to do right now so that their disruption in two weeks, I can be their trusted partner and I can walk them through that? Mm. This is the part where we have to think forward and we have to do strategic analysis. And we do that by finding the weak signals in the now. So it's again, the NPS all the time asking what's working, what, what do you need? What else do you need? And really listening to the weak signals when they tell us, I don't know, my LinkedIn outreach doesn't work anymore. Then we go and try to understand what's going on in the LinkedIn landscape. And then we say, oh, everybody's coming with their bots. Nobody's trusting their messages anymore. All right, maybe in three months, we, we need to help our clients transition to the next channel. So both, so, so just sum up, could you just repeat those three habits, top line were? Yeah, the three habits, we use a daily, weekly, and monthly habit. Okay. The daily habit is how are you allocating your time? We really write down the flow of the day. And then in the evening, we reflect two questions. What can be done tomorrow by somebody else better than me? And if I would live more intentionally and more freely, what would I do tomorrow? That's the daily habit. Love that, love that. The second, the weekly habit is, I want a report of the three main numbers every seven days. The three main numbers of marketing, the three main numbers of sales, and the three main numbers of operations. Mm. Now, they, they will be defined differently in every context, but they are usually similar numbers. And these numbers we want every seven days from the uh, respective people who are head of sales, head of operations, and head of marketing. Even if it's a team of one, this person needs to report these three things. Mm -hmm. And then the monthly habit is the big picture, what's going on in the life of our clients, what is changing there. Is there anything in terms of competitors that we need to take seriously that, um, that pushes us to change anything? And how much is the confidence? Are we the right people to solve the right problem at the right price for the right people? And if one of the team members is below 100%, we have to work on that first because there will be a transfer of confidence. If we are at 80%, then how much will get across to the other side, right? Less than that. I, I, um, uh, Simon, I absolutely love those three habits. I, and, um... It's got me very. It's got me very excited about your book, because um, for a couple of reasons, whether there's seven habits or three habits, but actually I think those the one the way you describe it are three very easy things, not easy because you've got to learn to do them well and make them a habit, but but to just make sense from frequency, daily, weekly, monthly. I love that. And the my my other comment is the simplicity of the dashboard on the weekly one. I really like that. I see too many complicated dashboards with too much stuff out there. And the final one that I really liked about where you described it was the when you're stepping above the business, you took a very, very customer-led uh, approach. Your question was all about the customer and, and forward thinking. Um, no, I love that. I love that. Is that. Do you find that, um, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, um, if you turn those simple concepts, and I know there's, an, there's a lot in your book to get under the skin of, but 
turning that into a habit, turning you into a bit of a leadership, a leader with the habits and, and, and make yourself a bit of a machine. Is, it, is, it, is that a bit of a journey or is that, how, do I, how do I move from being what I am to getting those, even get, getting, just getting those three habits nailed? It is quite a journey. I was so, I was so, I thought it's so easy. As long as I was a consultant and I was coaching the executive, I thought, hey, come on, it's easy. Why don't you just do it, right? And, and then I was a CEO myself and I was like, oh my God, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really, it sounds so easy, but it's really hard because you have also to do all this hiring and firing and all these moving parts and you have to do culture and you have always to tell everybody, hey, this is amazing. This train is rolling, jump on it, but you have to do it before it's rolling. <laughs> so it's, and you, it's a platform, it's a two-sided platform or three-sided platform usually, and you have to get that balance right of clients and employees. And wow, it's, it's really complex. It made me humble. And now, yes, it's a journey. And that's why communities like yours and the masterminds are really, really important because we will fall off track. We will, look, I have a coach, they are teaching me uh, GTD, getting things done, which is also quite a simple, but very impactful yeah. methodology. And this coach is coaching me since three years. And the only thing that we do in our monthly thing is helping Simon getting back on track. My inbox is not in zero anymore. It's simple to triage your emails. But as you know, there's so many things coming at you when you, when you run a company that I get off track and I don't do my weekly review. And then my coach will come back and why didn't you do your weekly review? And then we go and find the specific distraction that I have let happen. And then we go to my confidence level into when the next distraction comes, how will I react to that? Mm -hmm. So it's an inner game. It's 80% an inner game. And do, do I need, can I do that? Um, can I do that just through the advice? Or, or, you know, I've always been a massive believer and I've done a lot of coaching and I've been coached many times. Do you need somebody to, to create their accountability to turn your, your, your sort of desire to do it into a habit? Good question. So it helps. It helps so much. You know, when, when I do some triathlon or CrossFit, which is overwhelming, I want a coach because I will come to a point where I give up or I, I, I cut corners. And in that moment, I need a coach. So as soon as something is bigger than I can chew, I like to have a coach. So if you are that kind of person and it helps you and you don't want to show up and say, I didn't do my, my practice because X, Y, Z, mm. then yes, it is really good to help to have an outside pacemaker and accountability partner. You can have accountability partners also in peer groups and in masterminds and in communities. Yeah. But to me, it is really beneficial. The, um, you talked about um, 12 ways to accelerate growth and you talked about the three different areas from, from a sales point of view that we need to uh, unlock to, um, to increase the re revenues. When you talk about tactics, can you, can you give me an example of one or two tactics maybe that uh, 
people should be thinking about around the areas that you described? Yeah, so if we take one strategy, for example, increase the frequency by 25%. How, how do we do that? The, the general principle there is intensify the eight to 15 contact points needed, the eight to 15 experiences that you need in a complex B2B high ticket sales situation. That's why many have a sales time of 13 months, 18 months, when it's about complex B2B sales. Mm. Now, the cool thing about the new technologies is you can create 15 contact points in two weeks. So the tactics are, okay, let's go to our toolbox. What do we have in terms of email marketing, in terms of social media marketing, et cetera? What can we take of existing blueprints that are working and share directly with our clients so that they don't have to uh, analyze and study for hours, but they can go and directly test out two or three things. Mm. And so one of the modules that we pick most, that my coaches pick most, is the RBS, we, the relationship building sequence. 12 emails in an automated fashion after people show interest on your website and say, hey, give me more and I'm interested in getting information. Now, how can you build a 12 email sequence in 12 days that gets them all these contact points? And one example of one tactic that, that works for most of our clients is day one, it's an email that sends to a video that you have done and you have uploaded that video on LinkedIn. Day two, it's again a video, but you have uploaded it on YouTube. Day three, you send a checklist, which is a spreadsheet. Day four, you send uh, something that gets them hopping on your phone. So you can create these eight to 15 contact points in 12 days, really, because even in the evening when they say, okay, now I stop working, let me relax. I take my iPad, I watch some YouTube. Well, guess who's showing up? There is Simon again and say, hey, by the way, I have a new video here. And so you can create these 15 contact points in a, in a, in a lightweight fashion, in a time appropriate fashion. Mm. And, and that is one of the tactics of the 274, but it works really well because you compress yeah. the, 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 the months period into weeks. Yeah. And it seems, it seems like you, 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 you adapt some fairly classic, pro, you know, what is the problem we're trying to solve and what are the different opportunities and let's really nail that down and it is possible. No, absolutely. absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. First principles. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, good, good. And um, it, it's, that's doubling our revenue. Yes, so let's say you implement these, these two or three tactics like that and you have now increased the frequency by 25%. So same amount of leads that you have, same relationships, and you have 25% now higher frequency. So they buy faster, they buy more often. Yeah. Now, we just need to increase conversion rate. How do we increase conversion rate? We let them send us their recordings. Most sales calls right now are on Zoom, which is amazing because they quickly send us a link. We watch it and I, I make notes here and I, I make a video back and I send them all the notes. And I say, look, at the beginning, you started talking about price before you had them really feel what the problem is. That's why you lost them at minute 47. 
here, the other type of guy. You were so excited about the solution that you all started talking features. Mm. The other type of guy. You were so nice and so empathic. That's why you didn't close. The last five minutes, you were not aggressive enough. You, you let them go away. You need to push here. You didn't push. So everybody has their pattern. But for us, experienced uh, coaches, it's very easy to find that pattern, to feedback it in a way that is helpful. And they go, and the next one will be better. So that's conversion rate optimization. Very simple. That's on the level of techniques, verbal, nonverbal. And we, we go also back and improve the sales script with them. Now, when you hear sales script, you might go, oh, that's an old fashioned thing. No, it's great to have a sales script still, even in 2021, because it really forces you to think through the flow of things and, and what the benefits are and, and what their real problems are and if they are still the relevant problems that you're addressing. So it's good to have a sales script. It should never feel like a script, of course, always a natural conversation, but it's good to have one. And that's what we do to increase 25% conversion rate. And then you have the price part. And in price, there are exact eight blueprints that you have to go through and do them, you know, having social proof, showing that it works, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when you have done that, you have now the right positioning and you can increase price by 25%. And yeah. they and they will say yes. Love it, love it. They're really, really interesting. Um, the book's coming out in February, is it? Yeah, it's my first book. Congratulations. How was the, how was the process of writing the book? Wow, that was that was a ride. So I was I I I found the publisher quite quickly because we have an audience, and so we had a publisher, and that experience was in itself a learning journey because having a partner that knows the structure that gave me the structure and the accountability. Then, in the middle of the thing, I realized that I'm not a good enough writer, so. I have enough to say, but I, I'm not the best writer. And so I was like, where do I find a native English speaker editor? So I sourced an editor. Now I had a publisher, an editor, and myself. And that was a great combination. And this team yeah. has, has made it possible that the first book would be a very good book. Otherwise, no way. So my first learning was... Uh, your first book should be with the publisher because you will learn the basics. Yeah. And also, if you are not a native like I am, hey, you need an editor. And so I was, I was lucky. I found the right publisher and the right editor. So this book will crush it. We, we, just, we just got endorsements from, from John Lee Dumas and, uh, and from amazing entrepreneurs that they say this book is amazing and they want to endorse it. So, but it was a team effort. Yeah, love it. Listen, very best wishes with that. Um, I like the sound of it. I will put myself on the, uh, it's on Amazon. So I'm going to put myself on the waiting list um, and, and really look forward to that. Just one final question, Simon, if you're okay. Um, just in terms of, apart from the strategy sprints, which is obviously the one book that we should all buy, um, is there another book in, um, to do with sales leadership that you particularly love? Yes, I do. So I am in the very, very uh, old school camp of people like Neil Rackham and uh, Spin Selling. That's still a good book. Yeah. And then there are some people right now 
who are pushing the envelope forward of the consultative approach, which I really like. And there is especially one book, The Lost Art of Closing by Anthony Yannarino, that I really recommend. He walks through 10 commitments that need to happen in order to close the sales. And Anthony is, is both a client of us. He just sprinted a couple months ago to improve his own workflows in his team. And, uh, and he's also such a happy client that he's now writing the foreword to, to, to my book. So it's a really synergistic situation. And this book has become in our own certification because we certify business coaches. And in our own certification, it's one of the mandatory books, The Lost Art of Closing. It's really good. And uh, it makes you think through the 10 commitments, which forces you to think from the other side. So what are they going through and what I uh, am I asking of them mm. in each stage? Yeah, love it. Love it. Thank you for that. And final question, Any who, who inspires you these days? Any thought leader or, or individual in any walk of life? Yeah, definitely Anthony Yanarino, because he is reshaping how the salesperson really thinks about their craft and is bringing tools forward. And his next book is also amazing. It will come out later. He's, he's really moving forward that sales doesn't need to be sleazy or old school or um, technical. It can be a craft. It is meant to elevate. It is meant to educate and improve the situation. So it is value per se. And that's what I like. And he, he inspires me a lot. Brilliant. Brilliant. Simon Severino, can't wait for uh, February. Strategy Sprint's coming out. Best of luck with it. I respect anyone who's written the book because um, I know it's a, a, a mountain of work. But I guess if you're really passionate about it, uh, it makes it a little bit easier, which you clearly are. So thank you for joining us. And um, and, and maybe we'll catch up in, in, um, in 